to Leitner. Puts it up. You're listening to the Culture State Podcast. Get ready. Woo. Mm. This water is amazing, Dennis mm. Jamel Cox. Mm. Welcome to the Culture State Podcast. I am Chris Lee, taking a sip of water, staying hydrated because we got to keep our smooth, our skin smooth and fresh. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. That's my man, Dennis Jamel Cox, over there doing his thing. Hey, listen. Yeah. Talk to one, me. One of the things I love about the state of North Carolina mm-hmm. right now, specifically, okay. is the excitement for the future. Yeah. Because think about this. You have the Charlotte Hornets. Mm-hmm. They're going to get a new coach at some point. You know that they have to hit that next level. They, they've been a play-in team the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, and if they get that new coach that can just take them to the next level and maybe they can get into the first or second round of the playoffs, that'll add some excitement. And you know that the draft is coming up. So they're going to get a new piece coming up here in a couple of months. Sure. Then also the Carolina Panthers just had the NFL draft. A lot of people are excited about the offensive line. We're excited about that. The NC Courage just won the NWSL Challenge Cup. And depending on when you're listening to this, the Carolina Hurricanes are in the Stanley Cup playoffs for the fourth time in four years. The state of North Carolina is looking good on the professional sports front, my man. It really is. and You touched on all of them. Uh, in the sense, especially look at the the NC Courage, the NWSL. They have won the most championships of any NWSL team. Now yep. they added the Challenge Cup on top of that. So it's it's amazing how it's right here in our backyard from where we are in the triangle. Uh, but just for the state of North Carolina as a whole. And they really have developed this cool partnership with Charlotte FC, the, the new MLS team in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. They've, they've developed this really cool, fun partnership amongst each other, which is kind of neat because pro soccer is now spanning the state which is really fun to see uh but you mentioned the carolina hurricanes we're going to talk to an og carolina hurricanes i like to think about it shane willis who's now part of the carolina hurricanes broadcast he was part of this team even played a little bit when they were in greensboro but also Mm -hmm. has seen the growth here in raleigh not only just from a community standpoint and just how the city in and of itself has grown but just in terms of how professional hockey in this area has and just across the state has grown the fun part about this Carolina Hurricanes franchise is that it's the one team in this, especially in the triangle, but really across the state that we all can cheer for. That's really it. Cause we got so many Duke, Carolina, NC state, Wake Forest, UNCG, whatever it is, Elon. We have fans across ECU and I want to leave anyone out app state. We have all these massive college fan bases that are spread out over the state, but everyone can be a Carolina Hurricanes fan, which is super cool. And that's a good point on the other end when you think about, like, as far as basketball and football, like, you know, you can't necessarily say the same thing about the Charlotte Hornets or Mm -hmm. the Carolina Panthers because, um, you know, those sports have been popular in North Carolina for a long time. So you have a lot of OG North Carolinians like my dad who grew up as a Cowboys fan. Or, you know, there's a lot of North Carolinians who grew up either as Cowboys, uh, Washington uh, football team or Commanders fans. Uh, or Pittsburgh Steelers fans just because there wasn't that in this area. So when the Panthers came, it was too late for them to kind of jump ship. They were still on their team. Same thing when it comes down to basketball uh, for the NBA. Some people still had their team, whether it was uh, the Lakers or whether it was the Knicks or, you know, Chicago Bulls because of Mm -hmm. Michael Jordan or, you know, just whoever. Well, yeah, a lot lot of Bulls fans. (laughs) But I was just going to say that there's a – the sport of hockey – has grown in the state of North Carolina as the Canes have grown. Mm-hmm. So not only you don't have a lot of folks who 
um, were big hockey fans, you know, of, you know, the Rangers or of the Kings or whoever else before that, you know, the Canes kind of helped introduce big time hockey to North Carolina, therefore creating more fans. And you're right. It's kind of like the team in North Carolina that everybody can really rally around, um, you know, not only just for the fact that they're successful, but just for the fact that, you know, there wasn't that huge group of hockey fans in North Carolina before that the Canes were here. Yeah, and something you mentioned with basketball is because with basketball and football, people are so locked in with college. But one thing that hurt NBA in the state of North Carolina is when the Hornets left. Yeah. And then they went to New Orleans. And then the team came back, and they were the Bobcats. The Bobcats, folks, if you don't know, look up Charlotte Bobcats basketball. They stunk. Let's just put it as simple as that. They were just awful. So it turned people away. It turned people off from the NBA. But now this new iteration of the Hornets has gotten people fired up uh, a little bit. It's got me as as a fan excited to watch them. So, yeah, you're right. It's it's grown in popularity. It's grown uh, in something here as well is that with North Carolina being such a transient state, you do get people that move down from up north that may have a little bit of a hockey route. But the kids, as Shane Willis is going to point out, he's worked with youth hockey. Kids these days are cheering for Aho or Svechnikov or Seth Jarvis, some of these younger guys, Jacob Slavin. They're rooting for these guys. That's who they're growing up and seeing. So it's almost like it's a grassroots buildup. Or there's people now in their early 20s or even around age 30 who grew up as the Carolina Hurricanes came to North Carolina. So that's that's how the fan base has really grown. And then when they start having kids, it's that same thing, passing down from one generation to the next. It really is fun to see this place grow and the – Man, PNC Arena. I've been to some pretty raucous environments, but man, PNC Arena playoff hockey wise, it's loud. Isn't it, <laughs> it, isn't it, it is, like you know? It is I loud, love man. North Carolina, but the fact that the the players keep reiterating that this is the loudest house in the NHL, yeah. and it's it is crazy that that resides here mm-hmm. in North Carolina uh, because you don't think about North Carolina crowds being kind of raucous you know we north carolina kind of gets the rap of being you know oh we're kind of quiet docile type of crowds the wine and cheese type of crowds that type of thing but man that's not the case at pnc for for hockey so hopefully that translates to other sports yeah Uh, and and here's the thing uh as well is that the the caniacs the hurricanes fan base takes pride in that too it's like hey we have a reputation now to uphold yeah we're the loudest house in the nhl Okay, we got to live up to that. That's our standard. And, and and fans take pride in that, which I think is actually a pretty cool thing, too. Well, let's get into this interview. Mr. Shane Willis, one of the original Carolina Hurricanes, but now uh, working with the youth hockey uh, section uh, or part of the Carolina Hurricanes organization and also their broadcast team right here after this break on Culture State. Welcome back to another episode of the Culture State Podcast. This time, we have a representative from the Carolina Hurricanes, former player, also now works uh, with uh, the team uh, in their youth uh, development, and now also working on the broadcast. Shane Willis, welcome to the show. We really appreciate you having you on. Thanks, Chris. Glad to be here this morning uh, with you talking a little hockey. Yes, sir. Uh, first off, let's let's talk about uh, the early days. We'll, we'll get around to what's happening right now, but let, let's talk about some of the early days when you, uh, you know, first came uh, to the organization. First off, had you even been to North Carolina beforehand? Have you ever heard yeah. of Greensboro or Raleigh or anything like that? I had not. Um, and my story to land in Raleigh is different than a lot of players coming up. Um, I was originally drafted by Tampa. Um, 
So I was their property for a couple of years. We couldn't come to terms on a contract. I actually went back into the draft. Um, Tampa selected me in the third round before I went back in the draft. And I had talked with Carolina at the draft. It was in Pittsburgh and we had, a, we had some good conversations there. I knew one of the scouts really well um, from Western Canada who had been to a lot of my games and we were talking and he said, you know, we really like you and, um, you know, there's a good chance if we get an opportunity, we'll select you. My agent thought I was a couple other places. Maybe we're going to take me a little bit earlier, but everyone who went back into the draft seemed to fall around. And, you know, when I was selected in the fourth round by the Hurricanes, I was extremely excited knowing that this franchise was moving to a new area and how excited the people here in North Carolina were to get a National Hockey League team. So let's get to the point where you got to North Carolina. What were your first impressions when you arrived in the state? And again, what did you know about North Carolina? Any any perceptions you had of the state before you arrived? No, obviously coming from Canada and in, in the winters there, um, the first time you get called up and you arrive here and you're like, wow, this is a beautiful place. There's no snow. Um, I could wear a t-shirt to the rink. But it was still an interesting situation because one of the first times I was called up, they were still playing in Greensboro. Mm -hmm. And you knew the arena was being built, but it was hard to really picture what everything was going to end up and look like at that time. Um, being up and down in the minor league, just seeing how the team was doing. And you knew it was going to be a building process, not only from a building standpoint, but from an organizational standpoint. When I finally arrived here, in 2000, they were here at the Entertainment and Sports Arena, as it was called when I arrived. Um, but you could see the passionate fan base, and you could you could really feel how many more fans could be here because a lot of fans were interested. They're like we just never seen hockey. Um, what's it like? We watch it on television. We don't really understand it. And my message to fans every time I was out at dinner or seeing people around the city was, you have to go to a game. You just have to go one time. And I think that's the kind of lock-in point when a person watches a game live, they're hooked forever. And we've seen that continue to grow over the years since I was here in 2000 till now what this team is doing and how full this building is and how loud it is. And really the buzz about Carolina Hurricanes hockey, not only in Raleigh, but really across the state. That, I think that was uh, that perfectly leads into my question as far as like the growth that you've seen over that time. You've been able to watch this um, this organization grow for over 20 years. Um, you know, I know you said it was kind of hard to picture at first, but uh, has it exceeded your expectations from where it is now, uh, the fan base and how uh, crazy they are about the Hurricanes? And, and what's something maybe that surprised you about, um, you know, how well the, the, the uh, audience around this area is taking on to hockey? Well, I don't think it surprises me at all because when you looked around the city when the team was new, you had those college uh, bases here that are buying into ACC football, ACC basketball, and you can see the crowds at these venues. So you knew bringing them all into one thing that, you know, whether you're a state fan, and Rod talks about this all the time, whether you're a state fan, UNC fan, or Duke fan, you can all be Canes fans and, and pull together. And so to see that growth is awesome. I think the organization as a whole has done a amazing job in being part of the community and helping grow that um, with different things they've done throughout the community. And it doesn't, it, the first playoff game, when we talk about this is year four of the playoffs, 
Um, obviously, back in 02, things really started heating up when the Hurricanes made the finals against Detroit. Obviously, winning the Cup in 06. To me, that was really the year that everything started running from there. Yes, you had a couple off years, but you had generated and, and planted the hard base of fans. They were going to continue to come back after winning the Stanley Cup because they'd seen it. Um, they'd been a part of it. And now you've seen for the last four years, being inside this building is unreal. And I tell people all the time, if you haven't been to a playoff game in the last three years, you need to buy a ticket, find a ticket, get inside because every night it blows me away. And now, you know, getting the opportunity to be in the press box with Mike, having that view of this crowd is, is amazing and exciting to see all at the same time because North Carolina hockey is, a, is real and it's is deep rooted now in how bad these fans want to win. The the building the way it is now. I've I've been thankful to experience it on press row, but I haven't actually experienced it sitting in the stands as a fan for a playoff game. Again, only sitting up, but you still take in the atmosphere. What is the atmosphere here? What it is now compared to other arenas that you've played in? We always hear about you know rabid fan bases in Montreal or Toronto or even Madison Square Garden, up Chicago. But how does this building this this fan base for playoff hockey compared to to some of the others? Well, and we've kind of dubbed the PNC Arena the loudest house in the National Hockey League, and I truly believe it is. Um, this past weekend, obviously, being in Boston, they have loud fans. I mean, the National Hockey League has great fans across the league, and everyone gets loud and goes crazy at the start of the game. But the difference to me here is how our fans maintain the loudness throughout games, just how invested they are in every single play, not just the start of the game and puck drop or – just a goal, but how they continue to keep the level of noise going throughout the game. And I think that's a huge part. Mike and I talked about it on the plane the other day of how PNC arena is built. And I think a key part is where the roof is and how it's not a massive building height wise. So the sound stays in tight mm. um, and kind of bounces back and forth a lot better than some buildings you'll see. Like Madison Square Garden is a huge building and, and Rangers fans do get it going. But because it's so big, I think that takes away from the feeling of how loud it could really be. Um, similar to Boston, the roof is a little bit higher in Boston at TD Garden. So I think that all plays into it here when you're at a Hurricanes game. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, let's take it uh, up to uh, current times. Um, now you're with the Canes working in a, a couple of different capacities. What What is it like right now seeing uh, the Canes make this nice run? This is four years in a row in, in the playoffs. It was, uh, wasn't good for a while, for a good 10 years there. Uh, but now, you know, with, uh, with Rod and just a lot of the great players that are here with the great front office and everything, what's it like uh, just kind of being around just the greatness that's being formed right now uh, uh, with the organization and seeing uh, it kind of playing out on the ice with uh, all these uh, playoff appearances? Well, I'm, you know, some people say, man, do you ever leave the office? But I'm extremely <laughs> lucky because I get to see it from so many different angles. Right. Um, obviously, being on the television side and seeing the culture that Rod's built and, you know, being around the guys and being able to tell those stories is amazing to see and how the organization builds this team and adds pieces each and every year. But in my other role of youth hockey, to watch how much passion is in the youth hockey base here in the city now. And, you know, I started this job a little over 10 years ago now and would go into the rinks and you'd see Sidney Crosby jerseys and Ovechkin and, you know, all these players that are great players from around the National Hockey League. But I'm like, how do we continue to grow this brand and this, 
you know, and now you see all it is is Svechnikov, Aho, Slavin, you know, and everyone is wearing red and white. There's not many other times when you walk into a youth hockey rink that you'll see another jersey on one of these kids. And I think that's what excites me so much, even more about the community and where the fan base is, is because you have that now and I'm able to see it on a daily basis in these kids. And sure, it's exciting when Connor McDavid and Crosby still come here to play, but our fans and our kids are truly invested in what this organization has built and these young studs that they've added to this roster that, as you mentioned, for four years in a row have led the way to getting this team in the playoffs and, and making real deep runs. It looks like a party over there, Dennis, with you, your lights Hey, it is a party. You're talking about uh, Aho and Svechnikov. Yeah, it is a party uh, anytime you watch those guys play. Um, I, my question for you is based off seeing again from the youth level, um, the fan base grow. Have you seen just from your time when you first arrived in North Carolina, right around year 2000, to today, how have you seen the just the community, especially here in Raleigh, just the city grow as a whole? Not just from a hockey standpoint, but just as a community standpoint. I mean, the crazy growth around this area. I think that's what, when you go back to when the team moved here and the vision that Mr. Carmanos had, you know, not only a tremendous businessman, but to see a vision and see an area that had the potential of growth that Raleigh-Durham had. And I think that was the passion behind it. And he knew it would get there. It would take time. Um, you know, this wasn't coming to Raleigh like when Vegas got an expansion team or what we've seen in Seattle this past year. The hard work was put in um, by ownership and, and the staff here in this building to grow the fan base. And you've seen it leaps and bounds over the years come along and now, you know, change in ownership, but the buy-in – from Mr. Dundon and what he's already built here in a small period of time mm -hmm. to being invested to our fans of not only we continue to doing everything inside the community that we've always done, sometimes on a bigger scale now, not only from an organizational standpoint, but from our foundation standpoint and supporting youth organizations. But Mr. Dundon has committed to making sure we have a competitive team every year. There's never a question, I think, now. When you're a fan wondering, oh, should I renew my tickets this year? You know this team's going to be good. The ownership and, and general manager is going to go out there and find great players and bring them here. It's not, uh, you know, we're just trying to save some money with this guy. They're getting the right players to add um, with a tremendous coaching staff and culture that Rod has been able to build with some great leaders in that room. You know, Jordan Stahl, Justin Williams over the past couple of years, and now Sebastian Ajo, Andre Sechkov, Jacob Slavin taking the reins and continuing to move forward with this group. You're absolutely right about that. It feels like uh, every summer there's, you know, a piece or two pieces that are added that is like, okay, this, this will look nice, uh, you know, with the with the product next year. It always seems to be an upgrade. So I wanted to know from, from a former player perspective, do you sometimes wish that you could be out there on the ice with these guys, that you could be next to, um, you know, uh, Sveshnikov and Aho and all these different guys on, on the ice yourself? Well, I would love to be out there. I don't think I can keep up with these guys. <laughs> but, you know, I was very blessed to play. You know, I played with Rod. So, I mean, I got to see Rod in his prime. Uh, I got to play with Hall of Famer Ron Francis, Glenn Wesley. Yeah. You know, I got to skate in a couple games with Paul Coffey, who I watched growing up as a kid with the Oilers um, when I was first being called up. But guys like Keith Primo and Kevin Deneen. And mm -hmm. so I don't discount what I was able to be a part of. I always tell my dad, 
Um, you know, he was 10 years early with me because the way these guys are getting paid now was a lot better than when I was. <laughs> but um, I obviously enjoyed um, being here in early 2000s with this fan base. And I think it, everyone would love to, you know, live in a time machine and say, oh, I'm going to do this different. But everything I learned, you know, from this organization, our manager, Jim Rutherford at the time, who I continue to talk to and remain friends with and the people we met during that time has played a huge part in where I am today um, in my role, not only in this community, but now in the broadcast. So I'm, I'm very thankful for where I played, but yeah, would it be exciting to get it back out there? And yes, it would. And then I see the size and speed of these guys and I was like, wow, it's a little safer up here in the booth. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to stay up here, especially after watching Svetch throw that hit in game two. Oh my gosh. Yes. I was like, Whoa. I mean, yeah. the speed of the game now is is something we talk about growth in the community in this organization, but the talent and speed of these players in today's game is just amazing to me. And again, I'm lucky to get down. I get to stand beside the glass and watch it there. And, you know, now in the press box, it, it goes back to a normal speed when you're up a little bit higher. And I always encourage fans. I said one time it's going to cost you more, but get down by the glass. Yeah. I said it will blow your mind. The talent of what these guys can do on a small piece of steel underneath their feet right. um, and then back it up a little bit so you can really enjoy the really i mean the beauty of the game of how it's played and and how these guys move and read and react off each other is is amazing to watch from a higher level as well something that you you mentioned shane uh you kind of touched on saying like hey you kind of wish played now you know got paid better but i want to know from from your standpoint as a former player to what you see players have now from the way the CBA is structured and all that, how have things changed for the good for players in the NHL? We've, we've seen a couple of lockouts that yep. players have gone through, um, but just from how have things gotten better for professional players and what changes have you seen within the organization from when you played to now that have benefited the players? Yeah. And I think that's something, I mean, you see that in any business, really the growth of how do you, not only take care of your personnel, but provide them with everything they need to be elite every day, really, in my mind. And, you know, you've seen changes and you mentioned a couple lockouts. And that's what I always talk about when these players, how vested they are and really family oriented, because it's hard when you went through these lockouts that everyone had to be on the same page. Everyone was going to lose some money for a little while, but they knew it was for a long term and better cause. And I think these players are set up very good right now with their cba they can get paid a lot of money they're taking care of you know health wise um the teams are in a good situation because really it's a balancing act you can't have it one-sided where the players are taking everything um and the owners are getting nothing you can't have the owners you know raking everything in the players on and i think the nhl is one of the probably you know the best professional leagues of how they found balance and now the practice facility as well in morrisville by the way, yeah. Chris, the the place where I play adult hockey, the Iceplex, is where Shane the, the team used to practice back in the day. It's okay. an Olympic sized rink, and I hate Olympic sized ice because I feel like I should be at the boards and I got to skate even further, and I hate it. Couple great stories from the Iceplex. One, tell. I also hate it because I got bag skated there one day. Jeff O'Neill and I, only two guys, so I was called up. Jeff was on an injury, so I got called up to play in his position. Tommy Webster was the assistant coach at the time. The entire team goes off the ice. I'm thinking I'm headed for the shower as I hear, hey, Willie, 
stay out and skate with uh, Jeff. And I'm like, oh, great. Olympic size ice is a beast just alone to practice on. But when there's only two of you getting skated into the ground, it was miserable. One of the worst skates of my life that I'll never forget. I tell people that story all the time. And then the other part of the iceplex was we had, if you go in there, the upstairs portion where all the windows are was our locker room. Um, they had a little gym up there, a little medical area, and then some lockers for the guys. But the one thing that area didn't have was showers. So after practice, we had to go downstairs into the regular locker rooms and shower where, you know, as you mentioned, Dennis, the adult men's league, sometimes playing at noon, the lunch hour game was getting ready. We call it shower with the canes. We just came in. We're like, Hey guys, I mean, NHL guys rolling into your locker room to grab a shower. You guys have a good skate. Like where have you, where do you ever see that? <laughs> yeah. I want to know what are some of the staples in North Carolina that you've taken to, whether it's, you know, the, uh, the outdoors uh, stuff that you could do, whether it's all the heading out to the mountains, the beach, whatever it is that you want to do, but also food. Have you taken to food? Obviously all the golf courses that are around, what are some of the things in North Carolina the state has to offer that you've really come a liking to? Yeah. So I've had to become more vested in the beach. Um, okay. Being Canadian, I grew up, I did grow up on a lake, but not really the beach feel. So my wife and my daughter and my kids love the beach. So I've had to kind of learn how to, you know, spend that quality time at the beach. So I was like, this is boring. What are we, we can't even, I can't boat here. What am I going to do in the water? So <laughs> um, I've learned to do that. I love the beaches. Um, really any one of them is amazing. Go to um, on the Carolina beach. As you mentioned, I love playing golf. My son now is 14. We love playing golf together and getting out and doing that. As you mentioned, everyone always says, where are you a member at? I said, I'm not a member anywhere. There's too many courses. Like I just love going around and, experiencing the different cores there's so many of them that are just you know little diamonds around this area you know besides pinehurst if you can get down there food wise i'm a pretty simple like if somebody talks to me about a, a great food place i'll go but you know there's a couple of good little barbecue places around you can hit i mean you can't really go wrong um in north carolina for barbecue and some great spots in this city and, and that's the other part. The city just continues to grow. People will be talking about, you know, hey, we're going here. And how about the growth of Durham? Everyone keeps telling me you got to get to Durham to this restaurant, this restaurant. Um, oh, I live in Garner. So Durham's a haul for me. But some of these restaurants that have grown there, I mean, when I played here, no one was talking about a restaurant in Durham. Last question I have for you. Did you grow up watching Stampede Wrestling and are you a Bret Hart fan? <laughs> of course. Okay. I mean, yes. the entire Hart family. <laughs> um who used to just dominate the wrestling world um it was always one of those things that you know my parents were like what are you watching i'm like these guys are legends they're like you know that's not real and i'm like it is real look at them <laughs> so, yeah the hart family is legends around there um the other part to go to dennis if you don't want to go in the cold and you don't want to ski go to calgary for the calgary stampede which is um the first thursday i believe or second thursday of july is basically like the state fair here in raleigh mm -hmm. um, but they have outdoor concerts um they have a rodeo they do chuck wagon races at the uh, fairgrounds it is a 10-day solid get together as i like to call it um it's a, it's a tough 10 days when you're younger and going back and all your boys are like hey you coming downtown i'm like it's 
four o'clock and they're like, yeah, they're off at parties today. And I'm like, uh oh, so, but yeah, the Calgary stampede is another great time to head to Calgary. We got to do it one day. All right. We want to thank Mr. Shane Willis for giving us his time and talking a little bit of canes with us uh, today. It's, it's always interesting to hear those stories from those guys who were there at the beginning. We had the conversation mm -hmm. with Trip Tracy last year, um, Shane Willis this year, and just the growth, and not only just the growth, the loyalty that some of these guys yeah. have shown this organization who were here from the very beginning. Um, I, I can't wait till we're at the point to where you know, not even for their play, but just for the, how they helped to shape the organization. We can get statues of folks like Rod Brindamore, um, you know, Trip Tracy, Shane Willis, Eric Stahl, those types of guys that help really like shape and form this organization. And we need Justin those Williams. statues outside, Justin Williams. We need those statues outside of PNC. Okay. Stat we're talking statues now. Already. I'm talking okay. statues. You want statues. Okay. Statues. All right. We're going to build columns and everything. Yes. Could you imagine? Could you imagine a uh, right there in the plaza between Carter Finley Stadium and PNC Arena, just a, a statue of Justin Williams and Rob Brindamore and like Devin Leary? It'll be dope. <laughs> It'll be dope. You, you know, you know what else that that will be dope too? Because yeah. you know, like you, you, I don't know if you've have you you've never been to uh, Cameron Indoor Stadium, the old Cameron Indoor Stadium, right? You and okay, so that part where you walk in on the back end where yeah. uh Wallace Wade is, and then you see all that that stuff that's there with all the memorabilia yeah, yeah, yeah. and all that, mm -hmm. they built that part on. That's that's an addition to yeah. Cameron Indoor Stadium. That needs to happen at PNC for the Canes and for NC State, I guess. But for okay. for the Canes for sure. And <laughs> we could put statues and memorabilia and things like that, the you know, a replica trophy, uh, all that type of stuff. Like all that stuff needs to go there, I think. And it'll be a, a yeah. great great thing for the fans just to come out and see and take pictures with and, and things like that before the game. Yeah, after the game. I I'd be down for that. PNC Arena again. It's a loud place. It's a lot of fun. Uh it's it's so cool. Not many not many pro teams at least pro hockey teams get the opportunity to, to do this because of where they're located but tailgating culture is a is a thing uh with the oh, carolina yeah. hurricanes like because we're so used to in this area or just across the state tailgating for college football it's just what we know it's just what right. we do so yeah we're in the same across the street the same parking lots as we are for nc state football games well guess what you're gonna have tailgating that's just what people do when it's nice outside you know, when we're recording this, it's supposed to be a game five. We're recording this on the day of game five between Hurricanes and Bruins game one. And it's supposed to be 72 degrees and sunny outside. Heck yeah, people are going to tailgate. This is oh, perfect yeah. weather. You can't do it in Washington or New York or Boston just because they're landlocked. It's not their fault. It's just what it is. But yeah. here, yeah, we're going to – I drive in. People have been outside for hours. It's, it's, it's wild. It's a wild scene. And it's a lot of fun. There are times where I get to this, uh, the, the, the arena around 3.30 just mm -hmm. so I can get ready for the radio. I mean, I don't have to get there that early, but just to be in place for the radio hit with uh, the OG at 4.15 and to be in place for my live shots before uh, the game. And there are people already there, yeah, you know, getting there. ready. And most people actually show up around 4.30, 5 o'clock mm -hmm. for a 7 o'clock game to start cooking out and things like that in the parking lot. It's crazy. It's it's wonderful. It's it's a culture that has been built up around the team. Yep. 
Exactly. Well, we can't wait to see what the what the Hurricanes do. And uh, shout outs to all the professional teams in the state of North Carolina. Yes. Uh, even the smaller teams, you know, like the Charlotte Checkers and the Greensboro Swarm and, you know, different teams like that, even the, the minor league baseball teams. Um, you know, I love the fact that, you know, we have a great sports culture here uh, outside of just college, but you have all the great, uh, you know, like the Durham Bulls, you have the Winston-Salem Dash, you know, all these good um, minor league teams and, and these other teams that just exist. So much pride in the state of North Carolina. Um, you know what I think? My next goal is to at some point have a hat from every single professional team in the state of North Carolina. All right. Let's make it happen. I need to make that happen. Let's make it happen. Until then, thank you guys for listening. Give us five stars wherever you're listening at. And make sure you follow us at Chris Lee TV on Twitter and IG at the fan rookie Twitter and IG and check out at culture state pod on Twitter and Instagram as well. We got some fresh fun content on there. Cause Dennis <laughs> is cranking out that content for you. You got to see it. I, I, do you expense that stuff? I need to, <laughs> <laughs> I need to, I need to. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening. <laughs> The Culture State Podcast, part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network, with new shows coming out every Wednesday. Download and subscribe from wherever you get your podcasts, including the WREL Sports Fan app.